Ladies, the Sultan of Salary. Money, please. Our very own sports financial guru. When athletes get paid, he's our go-to guy. I felt he's taking rich. He's Mike Gennetti from SpotRack.com. Mike Gennetti, our go-to sports financial expert, the best in the business. You can find his work over at SpotTrack.com and on Twitter at S-P-O-T-R-A-C. Mike, I was just previewing the Week 13 slate in the NFL. What a week we have in front of us. Amazing games. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, it is going to be. Last Sunday was a dud, so I'm glad we've got a uh, – it's going to ramp up here. It's divisional kind of the whole way through the rest of the schedule, so it's, everything's going to be important, and including a couple teams that are going backwards. That's always fun this time of year, too. Yeah, we've got a few of those. We've got the uh, Dolphins 49ers. We've got Bengals Chiefs, Titans Eagles. Uh, Deshaun Watson returns to the football field, so a lot of really good stuff. Josh Jacobs has been dynamic this season, and he was at the best version of himself on Sunday against the Seahawks. What are we looking at in terms of a deal in the offseason? What kind of money is is he making? Because he's having a running back's version of an Aaron Judge season here. Yeah, sure is. Um, They declined the fifth year, so he's headed for free agency here, I think. I don't know that he's privy to negotiating with this Raiders team right now. There's a lot of things wrong with this Raiders team um, and they made the wrong call on this one. So I do think a franchise tag is coming and then that might get interesting. It's about $12.5 million on that tag right now. That's about where I have him on a multi-year contract. So, you know, somewhere in the 4 for 48 range, 4 for 50 range. But I do think this is going to end up with a franchise tag and maybe a demand for a trade at that point too. Hmm. Yeah. It's so, so are we looking at, where is that on par with uh, other running backs around the NFL because we know that this is a suppressed position in terms of contracts around the league. So he's, I assume, going to get that type of treatment too. Yeah, we're still at 16. You know, Kamara's at 15. If we get down to Delvin Cook, that's about the 12-13 mark. So he's in that second tier right now. You know, does Barkley graduate up to the 16 million? I'm not sure, but I'm certainly not going top of the market with any of these numbers right now because of where things have been going the last five years. So I know that we've discussed this many times, and I'm sure that we will discuss it many times more, but I feel like I have to ask again, what can the Broncos do at this point with Russell Wilson? Because it feels like it's getting worse every single week. He's got players yelling at him on the sideline. It just seems like from afar, I don't think it takes a um, a psychologist to figure this out. The The locker room is turning on him. And at some point, I know he's paid a lot of money, but you pay a lot of money for everyone else also. And if they hate their quarterback, you're never going to be functional. So what's the answer here? You're right. All of that is absolutely correct. And what they did in Seattle the past two, three seasons is they just ran the ball. They ran the heck out of the ball, used tight ends, got real simple, and didn't execute you know big plays that required him to be big. So on the football field, they should be running the ball. And by the way, they keep waving running backs every week. They just waved another one. They're bringing in guys off the street, and it's working out to some degree, but they're not winning ball games. The answer is a terrible answer. They have to just live with this. They can't do anything contractually with this guy until after next season, and even then it's going to be really ugly. So it may mean replacing 10 other guys who don't want to be there right now because this guy's there. Because this guy's going to be there. So it's going to get really ugly this offseason in certain degrees. So, And I did think that that was a possibility. You think that the most likely scenario here is if there are five to ten, we'll call them, vocal um, 
anti-Russell Wilson guys in the locker room that all of those players are just going to need to go, and they're going to need to bring in players that are pro-Russell Wilson and willing to live with this. Yeah, especially if you know some of those guys are at non-prime positions, right? If the long snapper doesn't like Russell Wilson, he's probably gone, right? Let's put it that way. But, um, yeah, turnover is going to happen. There's no question about it. They're going to need to in the defensive side to some degree anyway, but it's going to be a big problem. Culture is going to be a big issue right now with this Denver team before they actually start winning ball games, but he's he's going nowhere. That contract is absolutely rock solid, locked in. Crazy. Uh, we're talking to Mike Janetti from SpotTrack.com. The uh, one of the things I love about the NFL and what they've done with the rookie pay scale is that they've made it a whole lot easier for teams to look at a an early first round pick and go, yeah, this is this, this isn't working for us. Do you see the Jets moving off of Zach Wilson if Mike White is clearly the guy at the end of the season? Maybe even if he's not, because it could just be a Zach Wilson problem no matter who the replacement is. But do you see that being the way this is tracking? Only if it gets to a Russell Wilson-type situation where there's a locker room divide or he's causing problems or his agent's stepping in and saying, we don't want to be here anymore, you got to make this happen. Otherwise, keeping him around at $9 million guaranteed, declining the fifth-year option, there's really no harm in doing that. You know, that's basically backup pay money anyway. If you need to utilize him, if Mike White, you know, Mike White's not the answer. So somebody else is coming in here. Um, but I don't think you have to actually throw him to the curb. And, and, and maybe you can resurrect some sort of trade value with him like they did with Darnold at some point, you know, you know a year and a half ago. So I don't think they're going to just say, we're done with this, let's move on, until they have a clear-cut answer to replace him. Because, like you said, the rookie wage scale is so cheap. You can just keep these guys around and, and have them do nothing, and it's really not going to hurt you that much. Yeah, as long as he's not too disgruntled. I know the. Uh, I think the best example is what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. They just moved off. They just moved off of him, found a trade partner. I think it was the Dolphins, and and maybe that's what the Jets do. You know, deal him for like a third round pick, something like that. Yeah, I think the I think the Cardinals actually sent a fourth round pick to get him off the roster. So <laughs> when it gets to that point, it's going to happen. You're right. That's just where we are now with this position. Yeah, but I don't think there's any rush at this point. So uh, Matt Rule took a job with the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and I was curious to talk to you about what that means in terms of the money that's owed to him via Carolina, because that was part of the conversation we had when he was fired. He had a big time buyout, but I believe, if I remember correctly, that part of the conversation was he's got. X number of dollars going his way unless he signs somewhere else and then Carolina is alleviated from whatever that contract is. Is that the way that this works out where Carolina is popping champagne bottles in their front office because they don't have to pay Matt Rule this money? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd put it that way. Uh, but it's a, Matt Rule got a way bigger contract than I thought he was ever going to get from a college because of this $40 million hanging out there. He got a $74 million contract over the next eight years, according to The Athletic, and I, I confirmed this with the source, and I actually got to see a bit of the contract. Um, it's obviously backloaded, right? So after 2026, when the Panthers' money comes off the books, that's when he starts making the big bucks, if he's still there, and that's a really big if, I think. But he, what it means is the Panthers owe about $12 million of that $40 million with the offsets built in here now. So, yes, they're, they're taking quite a bit off of this payroll, by Nebraska doing what they did. And, I mean, in my opinion, they're doing the Panthers a huge favor. They could have gone way cheaper on this contract 
and let that Panthers money just kind of soak in. That's crazy. Yeah, the Panthers need to install like a, like a new break room for their employees or something with all that extra yeah, money some, they got. Some back-channel nil foundation for Nebraska prayer. I love that, yeah. No <laughs> doubt about it. All right, let's wrap with the Major League Baseball signing. We had a big-time signing as they trickle free agency news out, out there ever so slowly. Jose Abreu signs at the Astros. Big deal, literally and figuratively. Is that a big deal? It's a huge deal for him. I had him at about $12 million a year. He's getting almost 20 It's a $58.5 million contract for three years. They say he's 35 years old. He could be 45. We just don't know with some of these players. <laughs> so the fact that he's getting almost 20 a year was absolutely shocking to me, except I started to hear about all the teams that were in. Boston was in. Cleveland was in. Tampa was in. Miami was in. There had to be probably 10 teams total making offers for him. And when the world champs come in and say, we want you to, and we're going to put you number four in the lineup and start you at first base 150 times, you just say yes to that, especially with that kind of price tag. So it's a big deal for everybody. It's a huge gift for the Astros. Um, they replaced Guriel with a guy who can bat 300 and hit 30 home runs still. So it's, um, it's the rich getting richer, no question about it. Mike Tonetti, sports financial analyst, the best in the game. You can find his work at SpotTrack.com and on Twitter at S-P-O-T-R-A-C. Download that SpotTrack podcast as well. Thanks so much, Mike. Great stuff today. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. You too, man. Thank you. Good stuff from Mike Tonetti, as always. Coming up next, Todd Bowles gets defensive when discussing time management and an extended absence for a big man in the NBA. We'll get to that and our final four things next.